We are extremely fortunate. We have so many talented people that choose to come and bless us with their gifts of worship. Uh, Bob was here earlier tonight auditioning some yet some other people. Um, but we are so, so fortunate to have people that that love what we're doing, that also are willing to come over and give up their time and to bless us with worship. It's such an awesome thing. I am so proud tonight, for me, as a pastor watching both Vanessa and Chelsea come from the lowest of lows. Um, I still remember Chelsea unpacking and, and trying to explain all the Suboxone wrappers that were in her luggage and thinking, oh boy, this girl is not going to make it. Um, but um, whenever she comes up here and does this, I told her tonight she does it so seamlessly, so flawlessly that she's a natural at it, as well as Vanessa. So for me, it makes me really just joy or well up with pride when I get to see both of them, especially in the same night, come up here and to serve and uh, see all the other areas they serve in as well. So where's Dorothy? Dorothy, can you stand up? Come on now. Come on up here, Dorothy. Come on. Come on. Come on. So when we restarted Regen coming out of COVID, it was, we had, we had, we had, we weren't doing coffee because of the whole you can't touch things. And, you know, it was just, so Dorothy came to me and said, hey, I want to, I want to start doing coffee. And normally what that means to me is, and Michelle will agree, is somebody's going to volunteer to do coffee. They're going to come once or twice. They're going to stop showing up. So that means that I'm going to do coffee. Right? So I even told Michelle, I said, yeah, I don't, that's great that Dorothy wants to do coffee, but that means in two weeks I'll be doing the coffee, and I don't really want to have to make the coffee along with everything else getting ready um, for Monday night. But Dorothy has come in, and she has developed an entire team, an entire hospitality team, and she didn't just stop there. She's like, what's up with childcare?" And she was hounding us and hounding us like, what's up with childcare?" And she doesn't even have kids. So she really... So she really pushed us to, to get this going. And so she was kind of the driving force uh, behind putting this team of, I think we have, what, eight or nine people serving in children's ministry now. And so, Dorothy, thank you for um, what you're doing, all the people you're bringing together, because... I feel the same way that you feel when you can get somebody coming out of their addiction to serve, their chances of staying in service and staying in sobriety have increased tenfold. So thank you for your heart, not only for this church, for this recovery ministry. Thanks for all that you do personally for me and that you've done for us. So on behalf of me and Calvary and all of us, thank you so much for all that you do to help us. So. And I didn't say anything to her because she would say, no, no, don't. She would, she would have made me promise not to say anything, and I would have had to lie. So. Um, so we are going to, and so an update. So um, I talked last week about Louie getting to go to this graduation. So we, I got to take him to Men's Warehouse. He bought some sweet threads. We took him to the dry cleaners, got them all pressed and in the plastic bag, and got the shoes and the belt. 
And we got to sit with him as he watched his daughter graduate, and it was so, so sweet. So if I ever wanted to know what Louis looked like as a lady, just look at his daughter. I was like, this is scary. I mean, they, they are just, I mean, she couldn't be anybody else's daughter. But to be a part of that was so, so, so sweet um, to be able to go. It makes all of the people sneaking out and crawling out the window in the middle of the night and whatever. It, so, I mean, don't sneak out or crawl the, the window at night. But all those, all those negative things that have happened over the years, these sweet things like that that happen, they make it oh, oh so worth it. Amen? And I got the pleasure of talking to a pastor in Washington this week about starting a meeting just like this, and uh, hopefully he's going to tune in one of these nights and watch us. And I got to brag on what great worship teams we have and, and the people that have come up through the ranks doing announcements and just the whole thing, how sweet that's come together. So hopefully they will log in one of these nights. And uh, I was at the jail the other day, and uh, Sergeant Dorgan, one of my favorite people in the whole world, um, um, uh, let me know that she was watching last, last week as we lit the barbecue. Because that's all we, 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 we showed a little piece of video lighting the barbecue and said, hey, we're barbecuing tonight, so we're not going to be live. And, uh, but I was so happy to be able to know that she watches what we're doing here. And we're still working to try to get this into the jail so the people in the jail can enjoy this service as well. So just uh, continue to pray with us as we continue to try to do that and move forward in the jail. There's some really, really exciting things happening right now between the bridge, Calvary Monterey, and the Monterey County Jail. That Just stay tuned. There's some really exciting stuff happening as we work with a couple of the local ER doctors and uh, start some new programs within the jail. I'm really excited about that. And uh, it's nice to be able to go into the jail and not, getting, not being stripped down, you know, <laughs> and actually getting to leave. Um, so I got to take Pastor Manny there on Tuesday, and he goes, well, I want to see the bunk that you slept in. And so I, I took him back there, and you know Manny, he's so big. He barely, I mean, he could barely squeeze in there. Took a couple pictures of him. Sent him to his wife. We had a good time. And, uh, so it, it, it was fun. I was hoping they would strip him out, but they, you know, they, they didn't. So he, uh, we got to go do the tour of the jail, and then we got to leave and then uh, uh, go have some lunch and just talk. And so it was an awesome experience for me to be able to share the bridge with Manny um, this last week. So I'm going to go ahead and back up a little bit. We're going to uh, chapter 1, verse 21, and I'm going to read all the way through 31, and then I'm going to do my best to go back and hit all of the talking points that I want to hit, uh, hit on. So uh, verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks to him, but they became fruitile in their thinking and foolish in their hearts, and their hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. You guys get that, you know? That was me, claiming to be wise, but I was but a fool. Um, and they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, the birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the servant, served rather than the creature, and are the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. 
for the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of all evil, disobedient, uh, uh, parents to foolish, faithfulness, heartlessness, ruthless. Holy cow, who's he talking about here, right? Couldn't be me, right? Um, um, and God's righteous decree to those that practice such things deserve to die, and they are not only do them to give up approval of those who practice them. Whew, man, that is a lot to be said, isn't it? But how many of us could slot ourselves in there at least somewhere at some point in time, right? I think that we all would say that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? So how many of you in here have kids? Do you ever do the I'm going to count to three thing, right? With your kid? Anybody? I'm going to give you to the count of three. But one thing that I learned in counseling, uh, because when Michelle and I were doing the whole blended family thing, you know, the counselor said to us, I don't know if Michelle remembers this or not, when you do that whole threat thing with your kids, the thing that makes it not work is you throw out such a punishment like, you are grounded for life. You are never leaving the house again. You're never going there again. Anybody do that? Right? These things that there's no way you're going to do them. Right? So that's what causes it to lose its effectiveness. You know, I'm going to, on the count of three, then your kid's like, no. No, she's not. She's not going to never let me go to my friend's house again because she likes when I leave. Or she's never going to, you know, ground me because then she's stuck with me all the time. Or he, my dad, whatever. So I think there came a point in time when God, verse 24, it says, therefore, he gave them up to the lust of their heart. There comes a point in time where it's like, you've been warned, and you've been warned, and you've been warned, and you know, and then it's like, all right, if that's what you want to do. You know, it says in scripture that that at times when somebody undergoes church discipline because they keep doing the same thing over and over and over, it says that they are, they are put outside of the body of Christ. They're put out of the church for a good reason. It says, turn them over to the Satan for the destruction of their flesh so that they may realize the errors of their way and return quickly, right? Nobody wants to see anybody be put out of anything. Like at the bridge, we say, if you get kicked out or if you leave, you can come back after 30 days. Right. Often Tommy and I have the discussion in my office like, well, he left yesterday, but if he came back today, you know, uh, you know, the 30 is kind of a, you know, it's kind of a guideline loosely. So it's never my desire or it's never, I, I would say most people's desire that somebody fail. Amen. So 
God did not want to just turn people over. If we look at one of my favorite books in the Bible, it's the book of Jonah, right? Because God sends Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh because I'll just boil it down real quick. God, you're going to send me to Nineveh, and you're going to tell me to tell tell everybody to repent. I'm going to tell them to repent. They're going to repent, and you're going to spare them. So why waste my time? You're going to spare them anyway. So spare me the misery of going to Nineveh because the Assyrians were were his most, one of his most hated people group. They were his absolute enemies. You want me to go to my enemies, and you want me to tell them to repent. They're going to repent. You're going to save them. La, 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 la. Why waste my time? Well, how many times have you repented and God given you grace? Time after time after time. How many times have you been in jail? How many times has a judge or a police officer or a pastor or a friend given you grace and given you yet another chance? We know that God is a God of action because we know, we know the story of the great flood, right? So if we didn't learn from that, I don't, I, you know, it's kind of it's rough. You know, God saw that the world was so evil that he destroyed it. You know, poor Noah, right? He's building a boat. Nobody knows what a boat is. Nobody knows what rain is. Nobody knows what a flood is. So what is this thing you're building that's kind of stupid, you know, it wasn't until it started raining, right? And I always say this, Mark, uh, Chelsea's husband, sent me one of my favorite Far Side cartoons. It shows the ark floating away. And it shows a couple of dinosaurs talking on a rock saying, oh, crap, was that today? Uh, so, but that's us, right? It's like, how many opportunities do we have? And so, but, but we're talking about people doing these things over and over and over and over and over and again. And God has given us so many opportunities to repent and change. So in verse 24, it hits it. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their heart. You know, maybe giving you up to the lust of your heart is going to lead you wherever you thought you were going. And maybe that will or won't work out. And maybe, you know, maybe you're going to say, well, I don't particularly, didn't particularly work out for me so well. So maybe I'm just going to go back to those crazy people, go back to those Christian people and figure out what they're doing and, and, and see maybe if I fit in or feel more comfortable, you know? Is God condemning, you know? God is not condemning them. He's just saying, I've told you this is the way I want you to live if you're not living that way. Now, what is the church's role? The church's role or my role personally is I love everybody. I want everybody that I know to come to the, to the knowing and loving grace of God. No matter what their flavor of sin is, you know, period. I, I want everybody to come and know Christ. And for some people, it's a, it's a process. Some, it's a longer process than other people. You know, it's love the sinner, hate the sin. You know, and that's my personal, because I couldn't do what I do in the manner in which I do it if I didn't believe that fully with my whole heart. Because I don't, I don't look at what somebody is or what they've done, I look at what they can do or who they can be. I'm not an artist. I can't draw. I can't paint. I can't sculpture. But I kind of feel in a way like one of those guys that looks at a log and then whips out a chainsaw and a couple of chisels and like, a, like seven hours later, there's like an eagle, right? <laughs> you know, I am not handy like that. But what I can do is I, I can look at a person 
and say, there is something beautiful inside that person. Something that's just dying for someone to chisel it out of them. And that's what we do here. We chisel things out of people. You know, Coach always says, well, I like the analogy of the rock tumbler. You know, we're in this rock tumbler. We're being polished and made beautiful in the image of God. And that's what God wants. But, you know, like, therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their heart, to the impurities, to the dishonor of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God, you know, and it talks about a little bit earlier, you know, it gave them up to all creeping things. We know the story in the Bible, and let me actually go back to it. I made a little note here. We know that the Israelites, when they were with, when they were with Moses, Moses was going up on Mount Sinai, and he was having these meetings with God, right? He was getting instruction from God, and the Israelites, they were impatient. Man, where the heck is Moses? He's been gone for like two hours, Right? I don't know what the length of time was, but I'm just throwing out a number. But it was, it was their impatience. They're like, Noah, let me see. Noah's up there meeting with God, the creator of the universe. We've been down here for a while. We're getting impatient. So what do they do? They want, since they want a God to worship. They want to worship something. So they collect all of their jewelry, and they, they make a golden calf, and they start worshiping that, Right? That's crazy. You know, God's been gone, and Moses has been gone for two hours. Let's, well, that's, we waited long enough for somebody to worship, so let's create this idol and start worshiping it. Well, I think that's us sometimes. Like when people want to get into rehab, it's right now. Don't tell me to come back tomorrow or next week, or don't tell me to go do this or that. I want to come in right now. I just got a ride here, and I'm ready. Sometimes it works like that. We had a guy come in today. Hey, I want to come in right now. Well, all right, come on in, right? Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what you're doing. The only point or the only difference is, are you willing to do something different? Will you let somebody chisel that thing out of you, which is beautiful, that is being covered up by all the nonsense? Will you allow that in your life? If the answer is yes, then that means you're willing to... Everybody wants to be sober. It, really, everybody wants to be sober, but not everybody wants to put in the work, right? If you want a tattoo, it's going to hurt, right? There's a little bit of pain with that thing that you want. Well, if you want sobriety or you want to change life, there's going to be a little bit of pain and discomfort with that changing, amen? And that's what it's about. And if you're not willing to go through that pain or the discomfort, then I'm not sure what to tell you. Because you're using drugs or alcohol for a reason. It's because something in your life was amiss. And you felt that covering up or hiding it through the use of intoxicants to make you feel differently would help. And it did for a while. right? It did for a season. But then there came the point when the addiction becomes ridiculous because you, you, you're, you're at a point of maintenance. Or we call it those heroin use. Just, we're just getting well. I'm just getting well. Huh. Well, you've been out for hours roaming the streets. You're about ready to rob a liquor store just to stay well, right? I was getting ready to start robbing hotels. That's the point I was at in my addiction. I needed to start robbing people in order to feed my addiction. Thank God I ended up going into Victory Outreach in Salinas, even though Michelle literally kicked me out of the car at the curb and said, see ya, I'm leaving ya. I'm like, oh, Okay. 
And she didn't stay around because I was irresistible. She stayed around because I ended up almost dying, and she had pity on me, and she stayed. <laughs> right? Or at least that's what she says. I think, I think God changed her heart. Um, so, but if you, if you insist on doing something, there, will, there could be a point where God is just going to say, fine, then do it, trash your life, end up in jail, end up whatever, end up alienating yourself, right? But here's the beauty and the grace of God, because even if God does that to you and says, fine, do what you want, have your way, you can at any time repent and say, oh, sorry, I didn't really mean it, right? I didn't really mean it. One time, Chelsea and I got into a, a disagreement, and I, and I yelled at her. And I yelled at her because I absolutely saw the person in her that could be there. I did. I saw that person. And I, I loved the person that she was, but I loved the person that she could be even more. So I, I threw out an ultimatum. I mean, I threatened her. And it made her so angry that she said, I'm leaving. I said, well, there's the door. And she jumped up and she grabbed that doorknob and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I went too far. And in that instant, I was going, please don't leave, please. Because I was like thinking, how could I gracefully chase her and beg her not to leave? I mean, you know how you have like a whole lifetime of thoughts in like one second? I was like, crap, I did it. I, I did. Please don't leave. Um, but she grabbed the door, she spun around, she slammed herself in the chair and goes, fine. <laughs> and I was like, who dodged a bullet? <laughs> right? Man, thank you, God. And I was harsh because I saw that person that I knew was there. I knew that person was in there, right? And I knew that deep down that she knew that person was there somewhere. And so she was willing to go through a little bit of that pain, a little bit of that discomfort, a little bit of that, you know. I'm, I'm sure she thought I was a total jerk. Um, but I absolutely, I mean, I absolutely, absolutely loved her and felt so protective over her. You know, she had a dad, but I felt like I, felt like I need to step up in this moment and lay down the law, and it's either going to make her or break her. But thank God that, that there was a different choice. And we, uh, I mean, that was many, many, many years ago. And just look at her now. Up here, doing what she's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for not leaving, right? Yeah, that would have been, I would have still been regretting that one. Our Michelle would have still been mad at me, right? I, I might have still been on the couch, right? Uh, so it says they, they, they God, God turned them over. It says because they, it says they exchanged God for a lie. And what, what, what is meant by that is God is meant to be the one to fulfill those areas of, their li of your life where you feel short, right? And if you're going to exchange that for something else that's just going to temporarily fill that in and you're just going to kick God out of the equation, then he's going to be like, well, what's the point? And uh, God doesn't relish doing that, but God is willing to do that. We know from the example of the, the Assyrians, we know that God forgave them, and we know that they went on for a while, quite a while, but then we know that he completely annihilated them, you know, completely. They were just, boom, they're done, right? And when you're supposed to have reverence for God, 
but you should also have a healthy fear for God because he's going to let you mess around for a while, but you betcha that there may come that point in time where he's just like, done, I'm over this. I'm over this. I've given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I've gotten you to jail. I've gotten you to prison. I've gotten you this. I've gotten you that. And you just don't seem to get where all this is coming from. You seem to think this is your lucky day or you have nine lives, you know? I know we all think we're invincible. We all think we're immortal. We all think we're going to live forever, you know, until you hit a certain age and you're like, oh, no, no, no. I have way less time now than I did before. You know, those are the thoughts that go through my head. So I'm in the season of I want to finish strong. I want to do as much damage as I can before I go. You know, it's scary for me uh, uh, opening and running the bridge for the last 17 years. When uh, Friday we had a, a, a strategic planning meeting with the board of directors. And when the topic comes up, when the number one topic on the agenda was succession planning. You know what that means? What are we going to do when Mike dies? <laughs> right? Well, the, the way they, they put it very nicely, with the, proverb, the proverbial, what if Mike gets hit by a bus? I'm like, so I'm, on my day off, I'm going to a meeting, and we're talking about what's going to happen to the bridge when I die. So that just blows out of the water, this whole thing of, you know, being 19 and I'm going to live forever. Or I'm, I'm, so I'm like the cat with a half a life left, right? That's how I felt. So, so my message to you guys is look at the things in your life that you're investing your time and your energy and your efforts in and, and figure out for yourself, is that where I need to be? Are these the things that I need to be doing? Or should I be investing my life and my time in other things? John Sherwin, love you, buddy. It's good to see you. John and I, John, so I'm going to go back and give credit where credit is due. When the crazy idea of this meeting came up, we announced to the church, if anybody wants to be involved in a recovery meeting, go to this meeting. John was probably the first person I met there. That was in 2003? Yeah, 2003. Four? 2004. That's a long time ago. And he doesn't come all the time, but he went faithfully for years and years and years and just really helped to, like, he'll deny it, but he, he invigorated me. He gave me the desire to like, to, like, if John Sherwin respects what I'm doing because he, in my book, was a person that was worthy of respect, made me feel better and more worthy about what I was doing, and therefore made me able to keep on doing what I was doing. So um, he always like, no, 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 no. I, I like you guys. You're all walking, talking miracles. And you are. And you are. Uh, but the interesting thing about mine and John's relationship is when uh, John and I met, I was a paramedic, right? John worked for the agency that certified my paramedic license. Well, John had a little more information on me than they did. They knew that I came in and paid my money, that I took the test, and they certified me as a paramedic. John knew I was a junkie. You know, that's kind of a weird position to be in, right? Isn't it? You know? I'm sure he thought, who are you fooling? You know, I fooled a lot of people for a lot of years, but shame on me. Um, but God can take what was meant for evil and use it for good because we're all here tonight and we're doing what we need to be doing. And it's just about figuring out what it is, how are you going to serve God and what are you going to do? You know, I, I was at a funeral recently um, for a, a, a gentleman that was in the bridge, uh, Danny. We called him Boston. Um, and I was at his funeral, and um, I, 
I didn't know that his dad played guitar, you know, so they were talking about playing guitar together, and I was sitting there thinking about all the people that God has put in my life that I appreciate, that I don't know if they know that I appreciate them. And so at the funeral, I texted Jack Campbell, who is here tonight, um, because Jack and I have this really, I mean, we've loved each other, we've been mad at each other, we've I've yelled at him when he's barbecuing sausage sandwiches a half hour after the bridge guys are supposed to already be leaving, heading to the church. And, um, but Jack and I have had this awesome relationship for all these years, and, and I know that, that Jack loves playing worship, and I know that he was feeling kind of a little bit blue, and so I, I just texted him from the funeral and said, I really, I really want you to come to the bridge and play worship for us. And so in my thought, I'm going, I'm going to ask him to play every Wednesday. And so he came over the first Wednesday, and I said, you know, Jack, we really appreciate you coming over and playing worship. Can you come next Wednesday? And he said, I'm available every Wednesday. And I'm like, yeah. Um, so thank you for that, Jack. <laughs> but, you know, if you're just, you know, feeling depressed or feeling sorry for yourself, just look at what God has done in your life and evaluate your life. I, when I look at this section of scripture, it makes me want to evaluate my life because I can go down through here and I can see this is, uh, you know, unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice. I, I didn't murder anybody, but it says in Scripture, it goes on to say, but even if you have called somebody an empty head, you're guilty of what? Murder, right? And so you say, what, I mean, I, and I'm like, oh, I have called a few people stupid, right? Like, or whatever, or, you know, where's your head, or whatever. But, you know, I mean, yes, I'm a pastor, yes, I'll, but I'm still me, and I still can get riled up, and I can still call you stupid. Um, and then Michelle has to remind me, remember, you're a pastor. Well, okay, well, right now, I'm a miffed pastor. I'll repent later. Um, but, but I'm trying to be miffed for the right reasons. I was I miffed at Chelsea, amen, hallelujah, you praise the Lord. But it was for the, for me, to me, it was for the right reason. Did I go about it the right way? I don't know. I'm not perfect, but I'm just working on doing the best that I can. Is that an excuse for not trying as hard as Absolutely not. So don't ever pretend that it's because people, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people just say, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord. <laughs> really? How long have you been waiting? Oh, about 10 years. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever push a car or, any, or steer a car, right? It's easier to, e easier to steer a car that's in motion, right? So my advice to somebody is, well, get your, if you're waiting on that, get your butt moving and let him steer you then wherever you want to go. But if you're just sitting there, don't expect him to push you and steer you. Do, do your part. Get, do something. You know, you can't just sit around like, oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. No. You know, the Lord is waiting on you. That's the bottom line. That's, that's, that's the relationship. That's where it's going here. You know, so if it's the foolishness, the, 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 all of that stuff, so it's, for us, I would say, evaluate your life, evaluate your heart, evaluate your relationships, evaluate your goals, and figure out where am I. Give your, you know, I have this thing on my iPhone, you know, it's one of those things that you can do when you want a new iPhone, Right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw myself into the bus, right? So you can do this thing on your iPhone. It's like you can check the health of your iPhone, right? 
and it runs your iPhone through this whole syrup battery life memory, and you can go, look, honey. I think I used that like a few years ago. Look, there's only 34% of my battery life left on my iPhone. It's time for a new one. Uh, so I'll never be able to use that one again. Um, but my point is do that evaluation and see if there are things that I can change or the things that I could give up or there, are there things that I should do differently? Is there things that I should do more of? Is there things I should do less of? Should I be nicer? Should I pray for those that I don't really care for? There are so many things that we can do that we know. When I first became a Christian or when I was thinking about becoming a Christian or even in my pre-Christian days, I thought the Bible was this giant best-selling book of all times and was full of stuff you just can't do no more. I can't drink, I can't smoke, I can't lie, I can't cheat, I can't steal, I can't mess around with my neighbor's wife, you know, I can't smoke, I can't watch dirty movies, I can't carouse around and do what I want to do, what I love to do. And it was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing all that. That's crazy. I, what, have you ever heard anybody say, well, what good, then what fun am I going to have? Right? If I can't do all that, then what am I going to do? That, that was my mindset. Most of you see Michelle sitting there in this like little prim and proper. Oh, no. We were, we were pot smoking, dope smoking, coke snorting, whatever we could do or get. Party animals, right? I can't tell you how many times we drove 50, 60 miles, so drunk, we didn't remember getting home, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. But then when we, her first, our kids, her and then me, came to the Lord, and I, and I began to have a real honest goodness relationship with him, I thought, you know what, everything that, that God is telling me I shouldn't do, I'm the beneficiary of not doing that. You know, if you even go back and look, and in, in, in this part of the Bible is like when they're talking about giving sacrifices, like that the, the fat is burned for the aroma or given to God. You know, it's not left with a priest to eat, you know, because, you know, I heard of this, whole, of this whole study. Well, see, God even knew back then fatty meat was not good for you. And I'm like, <laughs> my granddaughter, Sophia, I'm so proud of her. She is just like her grandpa. She wants the fat off everybody else's plate, too. I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. Just ignore that part of the Bible. Um, but I began to look at the things as everything that, that, I, that I'm being asked to give up is good for me. Give up drinking, good for me. Give up smoking, good for me. Give up lying, good for me. You know, whenever you lie, cheat, and still, you break out. It's like you have an allergic reaction. You break out in handcuffs, right? right? Amen. Isn't that true? So I'm not going to, um, that's not going to happen anymore. I'm not going to go to jail. I'm not going to have people, you know, you know, trying to stay away from me. There's nothing worse than going, going to your relative's house and then you catch them hiding their purse, right? Then it's like, oh. And you know you're, they're doing that because of you. Or you go in the bathroom and you open their medicine cabinet and there's nothing in there, right? <laughs> nothing. It's like, who keeps nothing in their medicine yet? Oh, they must have known I was coming to visit. Um, but there becomes a point in time when that doesn't feel good anymore. Where you, Then you look at the Bible as, look at all the things I get to do. I get to laugh and have fun and have kids and grandkids and have really good friends and good relationships and be honest and enjoy myself and 
and, and have an eternity, have a life. I get to have a job, buy a house. I get, I get to have a car. I, could, I have money for gas. I can pay for insurance, you know? Isn't that great? You know, you, where you could actually, I could go eat some food, you know? I can, I can be responsible. I can laugh. I can help others. I can have a life. I can go on a vacation, you know, Michelle and I laugh all the time because some people, that when they come into the bridge, um, uh, I've had many conversations in my office where somebody leaves the bridge and they get a job and they come back in with this W-2 like, what is this? Why did my employer give me this? And one of the people are in the, office, in the room tonight. And it wasn't like a laugh at thing. It was like, what, like, what is this thing? You know? Well, you file... Ta- and he said, I get to file taxes? I have never, he was excited. I get to file taxes, yeah. I said, but you know you could owe money. Oh, oh. But you could get money back. That was like one of the coolest conversations I remember having because somebody had never filed a W-2 before because let me, I think you guys know this, but if you don't, I'm going to shock you. You don't get a W-2 if you're a drug dealer. You don't get a W-2 if all you do is rob houses, right? You don't. You don't. But what you do get a, what you do get a W-2 for is when you get sober and you start to have a life and you go to work and you work every day and you become responsible at the end of the year. For someone to say, I get, they thought that was a privilege. I get to file taxes. And it was like, boom, high five. You do. That shows that you've been responsible. It shows that you've Maybe you weren't doing all of these crazy things, but this, to me, is like a good checklist. Like, whenever Michelle and I go away, she has this, it drives me crazy. Because I think I've done everything on the checklist because she's always afraid we're going to die when we're gone and our kids are going to come in and see that our kitchens are dead. I'm like, who cares? We're dead. You know, I don't really care if my kids think I have a dirty kids. You know, let's water the plants, you know, feed the dogs, extra fish food, this or that, or wipe the counters. I think, I mean, I got, I got it all done. And it's like, well, what about this? What about this? You know, she has this whole list. And it's like, ugh, you know. But so maybe you're not responsible for all of these things, but hopefully you can look at yourself and get the idea or the jest and say, there are some things in my life that are out of order that should be back in order that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to work on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start trying to be a little bit nicer, and I'm gonna, I really want to give up that, or I really want to give this up. And, and one of the easiest ways to do that is tell somebody that you trust and that you love, and tell them, hey, ask me about this. You know, ask me about this. You know, Tommy and I were trying to eat really healthy and do other stuff, and, um, and, uh, and uh, I, I, was, I, was, I wasn't sneaking, but someone gave me something that we had talked about not eating. And so being a good friend, I offered him a piece of it. And he said, no, I just lost 20 pounds. I'm not eating that. Threw me, he threw me under the bus. But what I'm saying is because we're holding each other accountable, it's making things way easier. Right? Like, how, how are you doing today? You know, so we try to do it together. This is something that we are both weekend that we wanted to together. Right? Somebody asked me today, why are you and Tommy trying to lose weight? And I said, well, you haven't heard Sports Illustrated wants us to be in the swimsuit edition. <laughs> right? 
Not true. Um, but it could be, right? No? So. I'm a realist, so I, I guess that's out. So. But uh, as Paul goes through this, he is addressing everybody, okay? And so I think that we all could look at this and say we, all of us, all of us probably at some point fit into a lot of these areas that we don't fit into anymore, right? And we could look at that and say, that good job, well done. I've done these things, but are there some more things that I need to work on? I think we all have room to grow, amen? I think we all have things to work on. We, have, we all have other people that we could reach out to and help do those things, and that's what it's about. It's about reaching back and helping that next person to make their journey a little bit easier. That's why we meet here. That's why we gather together, is people like to be in groups. If you look at my Facebook, um, I, like, I belong to barbecue Facebook groups. I belong to filmmaking Facebook groups. I belong to reef tank not, not reefer, like reef, reef tank, like fish um, groups, because I like to have the knowledge and advice of other people that have the same interests. Um, whenever Michelle and I can meet other people that run recovery homes or do recovery groups, we love connecting with them because we have that common thing in, and it, it refreshes us. So you guys, it doesn't matter what kind of a Monday I've had or how tired I am, when I leave here on Monday nights, I'm like, I'm, I'm like stoked. I'm, I'm like really like, I'm, I'm, I'm all pumped up. It's like to see everybody here really commonly and a common goal trying to honestly and earnestly help one another be successful in their walk, be successful in their sobriety, be successful in their relationships. And the only way that we're going to get there is to get to that point where God doesn't have to say, oh, well, therefore, since you won't do the things that I've asked you to do a billion times over, then the last thing we want him to do is remove his covering from us. You know, we, I, I hear all, all people all, all, always uh, talking about hell. You know, it's a burning fire. It's Gehenna. It's all these places. People say that hell is simply being separated from God. I will tell you that God talks to me all the time. I don't hear the, you know, it's not like the Jim Carrey movie where it's not like the thundering voice coming down from the sky or whatever, you know. But it's in, it's in, my, it's in my spirit, you know. you know. Ernst is nodding because he knows what I'm talking about. But when I've done something stupid or, or been irrational or angry with somebody or committed, like, something that would be considered, it, it, it's silence. It's like, man, that's a bummer. Because I know that my knuckle-headedness kind of, God's like, dude, how many times have I told you that, you know, if that's the way you want to behave, then we'll just kind of quiet our conversations down. And I, I hate it. So to me, it's that reminder. I like hearing from God. I like being cur- encouraged from God. I like being, you know, you know, we are here to pump you up. I like that. I like when God encourages me and speaks to me and makes me feel good about what's going on and, and, and blesses my life. And the more that I read and the more that I understand, God, I understand and read the more that I need to tweak and change the way that I do things, how I treat people, how I talk to people, how I acknowledge people. I think it's important to acknowledge people. That's why, you know, I really wanted to acknowledge John and Jack and, and all of the hard work that Dorothy, I mean, it's funny because when Dorothy first started coming around, I mean, we didn't even really 
communicate that much. She was involved with the bridge girls, and it was like, all right, whatever. But actually sitting down and talking to her, I'm like, this girl has such a heart for the Lord. Holy cow. And then, and then the fact that she chose to place her gifts here and to serve, she is serving us. She, I mean, that's, that's, that's what serving is. She is giving of her time and her energy. And, and not only is she serving us, but she's getting other people to serve, which blesses you, blesses the people that are serving you. And it spreads the goodwill. It spreads the people, you know, she brings, you know, Molly all the time. And I, I love all the different hair colors and the conversations and the nails. But what I love most of all is turning around watching you raise your hands in worship. That's what I love. And that's what the simple act of Dorothy saying, I am going to serve a ministry. That's what happens to other people that are in her wake, you know. We get drawn in, and we're blessed by it. So that's what serving does. And that's why I, uh, when Michelle and I started the bridge, we said the number one thing that we are going to do with the bridge is we are going to serve. We're going to serve. And, we're, and I know maybe, you know maybe the guys get tired of serving all these community events and all these city events or all these trash bags. I don't know. But we serve. And I believe that serving is the best way to open your heart for God to come in and bless your life. And I think that's what it's all about. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And so just evaluate. I mean, do this for you, really. Evaluate where you're at. Evaluate where you want to be. And simply maybe write down or jot down a few steps of how am I going to get there. I'm going to, I'm, going to be, I'm going to call three people this week that I haven't seen in a while, and I'm just going to encourage them. Tammy called me today. Um, when I was driving, I was out buying coffee filters, you know, the exciting life of a pastor. I'm out buying coffee filters and a rubber apron for the grill. And uh, uh, Tammy called me, and just, it was great to talk to her. She, she totally cheered me up, you know. I know. She called to ask me a question about a, a tablet, and, but it, to me, it just felt good to talk to her. So you know, just reach out to somebody this week. Encourage somebody, you know, you know good job. Do you need help? Can I help? You know, just do those things. Reach outside of yourself. But at the same time, evaluate where you are in your walk with Christ and where you are with your walk in your life. And think and just say this to yourself. If God ran down a list against me, where am I going to fall short? You know, am I selfish? Am I rude? Am I, do I boast too much? Do I have a filthy mouth? Do I... Is this habit that I have getting in the way of God? And evaluate that really and think about yourself about where you are and who you are and just begin to pray through those things, write some of those things down, ask somebody to pray, hey, check, with, check, in, check in with me once a week and find out how my mouth is or check, check in with me and find out if I'm still seeking cigarettes. You know, if it's a bridge, guys, we'll catch you on a nicotine test, but you know. But really, just ask somebody to really, hey, really help me out with this and just be an accountability to me and help me through this thing that I'm doing. And, and as you do that, you will be blessed because it will deepen the relationship you have with that person. It will better your relationship with God. And you'll begin to feel better about yourself. And you're like, well, I, I knocked that one out, and I'm going to knock the next one out. And I'm going to knock the next one. I mean, because it's like, oh, man, I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit cussing. I mean, man, what's next? There's, you know, how about arrogance, pride, right, foolishness. I mean, there's this, you want a list? I just read you a big one. 
So, but really just pray through these things and ask God, how can I be the person that you want me to be and live a blessed, fruitful life? And the next question is, how can I be that encouragement or support to somebody else that might need it? One thing I love about Ernst, he always asks the guys, how you doing? 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 I'm like, how are you doing? You know what I mean? You know, Ernst is such a servant, I, I'm going to be missing a Monday in July. And so I asked him, I said, hey, can you teach on this Monday in July? He's like, oh, June, oh, I really want to. Let me talk to my wife. And then he comes back the next time and he goes, I'm going to be in Copperopolis, which is like by Yosemite, but I'm going to drive back to teach. I'm like, no, you're not. No, I will. If you want me to, I will. I'm like, no, absolutely not. No, but I will. Why is he willing to drive six, seven-hour round trip? Because it's serving. So I, um, I already secured a spot today. Uh, Bob, Pastor Bob's going to do it. Um, but, the, but my point is, for someone to say, I am willing to drive seven hours round trip to stand up here and deliver a message to a bunch of people that some people wouldn't even give the time of day to, Right? That, to me, that blesses my heart. And I was like, it just lets me know what a servant Ernst is. And but, but if you listen to him, he was a bunch of these things on this list. And he spent a bunch of time on his face. He spent a bunch of time evaluating himself. He spent a bunch of time asking people to point things out in his life and to help him through these things. And because he's gone through that painful process, that chipping away or that carving, that beautiful thing has come out, and he's willing to drive, to leave his family and drive seven hours to come in and hang out with you guys for 90 minutes. It's craziness. Um, but, you know, I think his family deserves that time with him, and he deserves that time of, of getting away and vacation with his family. But the, what I'm trying to point out is, is his heart, and that's not the heart that he's always had, and he'd be the first person to tell you that. But because he went through those painful things, and I think most of you from hearing his testimony know the excruciating pain he's gone through with losing a son and a brother, that God used those things to mold him in the man he is today. Um, those were tra though they were tragedies, he would be the first to say that God took what was meant for evil and absolutely blessed his family. You know, when I see him walking in church with his wife and his two beautiful girls, it's like, that is a blessed man. So... So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. I just thank you for the worship. Thank you for um, um, the service. Thank you for the sobriety. Congratulations to Vanessa on four years of sobriety. And we just pray for many, many, many more. Thank you for her family for coming tonight to support her. And, Lord, just thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.